Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of So Important. This is that quirky little podcast where we talk to all manner of people about something interesting and important to them. Our guest today is Mr. Jeremy Newberger, the CEO of Ironbound Films and the producer and director of Heading Home, The Tale of Team Israel. That's the most excellent documentary that we're going to discuss today. Heading Home is a special film. It is a true story of the underdog as it chronicles the story of Team Israel, the team that represented Israel in the World Baseball Classic in 2017 and went much further in the tourney than anyone had anticipated. But what it's also about is the group of Jewish ballplayers, some retired, some a little bit past their prime, some looking for a comeback, who were brought together to represent Israel in this Major League Baseball-sponsored tourney that takes place every four years. It's an amazing story, and in Heading Home, it's told wonderfully and engrossingly, which is no surprise, as Mr. Newberger is no stranger to the art of film, with numerous award-winning documentaries under his belt and many years now making such terrific films as Heading Home. There should be no surprise that Heading Home is such a work of art. And with that, Jeremy, let me welcome you to the show. Hi. Finally, someone is acknowledging that I am so important. You are very important. At least my brotherhood uh, my brotherhood thinks you're very important. We all watched the film, and we really enjoyed it. You know, I have become, as a result of this film, quite a, a hit at synagogues around the country. Uh, my goal with this film is, you know that dusty glass case that is in the front of every synagogue around the country where there's like a uh, Kiddush cup and a menorah for sale? My goal is to put my DVD in there as soon as they're ready. That That is why I made this film. Well, uh, in a little while, I am going to be the president of our temple. So what I will do is I will tell them to put your DVD in the case. How about that? And, and someone should dust it every once in a while. I, but, well, I can't promise. I can't promise everything. But anyway, it's great to have you. And I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and about Ironbound Films. Uh, sure. First, myself. I was born and raised a middle-class conservative Jew out on Long Island uh, in a town called Dix Hills. And uh, I had a, a fairly uh, conservative Jewish upbringing. Uh, we would go to temple three times a year. I had Passover seders. We had uh, three sets of dishes, uh, one for dairy, one for meat, and one for taken Chinese food. And I was bar mitzvahed. I think I had a very nerdy theme. It was Sherlock Holmes, if I if I remember correctly. And the reason it was Sherlock Holmes is, as a young nerdling, I was fascinated with uh, mysteries and stories, and and that that fascination developed uh, from all the comic books I read. And as I got older and older, I found an affinity for film, and uh, so I spent a lot of time at the local video rental shop. And eventually, when that got eaten by Blockbuster Video, which is also gone now, I spent a lot of time at Blockbuster renting movies from uh, some of the great filmmakers. So I was very much a film guy. I actually became a filmmaker. I know that's a rare case where as a kid, you're interested in something and then you follow your dreams and become that thing. But I am one of those that was blessed and lucky enough to do that. So I partnered with two friends that I had known uh, from Jewish sleepaway camp. That is kind of the central nervous system of, of, of Jewish uh, success because you, you make a thousand friends concentrated in you know some little rural nowhereville 
uh, and then those people grow up and become lawyers and doctors and film producers, and et cetera. And you have this network of people that's just, you know, you all shared the same crappy meals in a, in a Jarochel together, a dining room. So that's my background. I started Ironbound Films with uh, two partners, Seth Kramer and Daniel Miller. And the three of us are directors, producers on at least seven or eight films at this point, heading home being our, our latest. And you know, more to come. Well, that's that's great. And it is great that you followed your dream and and it led you to making Heading Home. And I'm wondering if you could tell people just a little bit about what the World Baseball Classic is and kind of summarize the story of Team Israel. What I'm really interested in getting at also is what drew you to this story to get and led you to make this film. The World Baseball Classic, uh, best, I think, described as sort of the World Cup of baseball. It's a tournament it's international teams. It's played every four years. Uh, and there are countries playing baseball that you didn't know play baseball. And they all get together and they have tournaments uh, in different countries until the quarterfinals and the semifinals and then the finals. And the winner uh, is, you know, the, the best country in baseball. Uh, so when we started this project, I had never heard of the World Baseball Classic. So let me just confess that right away. Uh, as a matter of fact, I am a fair weather baseball fan. Uh, I grew up watching a lot of baseball. My father uh, had gotten me to become a Mets fan because we lived out on Long Island and he was uh, too nervous to park in the Bronx. So we weren't Yankees fans. Uh, so we were Mets fans. And I watched, you know, the World Series uh, in 86 and loved the Mets. And then when I grew up a little older, I met my wife who was a, a big Yankees fan. And in order for me to marry her, I had to convert. So I became a Yankees fan. But I was a fair weather baseball fan. I don't watch every game and see it every night. I like and appreciate the game, but I, I wasn't uh I wasn't your you know enormous baseball fan. But someone who was was another Jewish sleepboy camp friend named Jonathan Mayo. And this guy, Jonathan Mayo, while I was becoming a filmmaker, his dream was to become a reporter for Major League Baseball, which he did. And he would keep coming to me with ideas for films. He had, you know, written a book called Facing Clemens about Roger Clemens. And we pitched it to ESPN to be a, a you know, a 30 for 30 project. And we fired a bunch of arrows in the air uh, to try and figure out a way to collaborate because I love Jonathan. He loves me and Daniel and Seth. And it would be so much fun to work with him. We just kept trying and trying. So in 2015, he came to me with the idea of, Let's go to Major League Baseball's, you know, spring training, and we'll interview all the Jews that I know. Because every time a player starts off as a rookie, they get interviewed by Jonathan because he covers the prospects beat for Major League Baseball. So he had accumulated a roster of Jews that he was friendly with and could interview and talk to. So his idea was, let's go and interview them at spring training, and then we'll ask them to go on uh, the equivalent of a birthright trip. For your audience that doesn't know what that is, it's a, a trip uh, where you go to Israel to experience the country and connect uh, culturally, connect spiritually. Uh, and it's, it's you know, generally done by young people, although now I think it's for all ages. And I think they pay for it, too. So it's a free trip. So the idea was go to spring training, interview the Jews, convince them to go to Israel on a trip, film it and turn that into a movie. And that's what we set out to do. We went to spring training uh, in 2016, 
and interviewed Jock Peterson and Brad Osmus and Ike Davis and Josh Zide and uh, Nate Fryman and you know Sam Fold, and we got great stuff from these guys talking about their Jewish identity and you know what it means to be a Jewish player in, in Major League Baseball. And then all of them agreed they would go on a trip to Israel uh, that we were going to film. And as a matter of fact, Kevin Euclid, who was coaching uh, the Cubs at the time, he was part of the project too. He was going to be the captain of this, you know, trip to Israel. He was a a lover of Israel. He was a, a big Jewish star in Boston for the Red Sox, and uh, it was going to be something. So we set out to make this film. And I have to tell you, Monty, it's never easy raising money uh, for a film, and this one uh, was no easier than uh, any other. And we couldn't raise the funds. So I had all this great footage. I tried everyone. Nobody nobody wanted to come in and be the you know the big macher to save the day. So I shelved the footage. Then, lo and behold, the World Baseball Classic starts their qualifying round in Brooklyn, of all places. And Israel forms a team made up of a lot of the guys that we interviewed at spring training. And they qualify. Now, that that's where we get to the miracle of this project because I told you we could not raise a dime to take these guys to Israel but after they qualified all of a sudden we had a private jet to fly the team over we had wealthy investors saying sure we'll pay for a piece of the film we had the players you know ready to go on a trip a birthright style trip to Israel to see the country that they would be playing for because the majority of the team were American Jews and not actually Israelis because the World Baseball Classic operates by what's called the heritage rule where you just have to have a Jewish parent or Jewish grandparent and you qualify to be a player for the team for Team Israel. So long story short, that's how this film project came to be. We followed them on a trip to Israel and then we followed them on further to Korea and Japan, where they played in the World Baseball Classic. Talking about the trip to Israel, that was a pretty meaningful part of the film. It seemed like they really reacted very positively and emotionally almost to that experience of interacting with the Israelis. Is that a true true statement? Every player had a different experience, but I think universally across the board, all of them really loved being in Israel, uh, seeing the country, uh, connecting with places that they'd only ever heard of, uh, and the ability to sort of explore their roots. I should say that a lot of these baseball players, they didn't have the traditional Jewish upbringing that I described earlier that I had. Uh, Many of them weren't bar mitzvahed. Many of them didn't go to temple, not even three times a year. Uh, And often, instead of going to Jewish sleepaway camp in the summers, these guys went to baseball camp. So many of them really have dedicated their life to baseball and not their Jewish roots. So I think when they got to Israel and were taken on a whirlwind trip of, you know, some of the greatest places and sights to see and foods to eat and, you know, uh, stories to be heard that Israel has to offer, they connected in a really special way. And I think that that connection carried to their performance when they reassembled as a team for the World Baseball Classic. Well, you could see it uh, with some of the merchants who who were selling uh, baseball uh, paraphernalia. You could see it in some of the little kids who really seemed to look up to them. You know, a lot of the Israelis that uh, interact with the team in our film 
are what's known as expats. Most of them are children of or you know transplants from places like New York. So I found that when we got to Israel and they had the Israel Association of Baseball, which is the organization that runs the team, they put together a bunch of you know practices and uh, events for the public. And largely the crowd that would come would be guys, you know, who came from New York and moved their family to Israel. Uh, and, and as a result, one of the biggest attractions on Team Israel was former New York Met Ike Davis. Uh, so I think that, you know, to say that Israel embraced them and loved them, back then it would be a little misleading. I think when they visited Israel, which was before they played in the World Baseball Classic, they were not sort of welcomed as heroes uh, in the country. Uh, Israel is a country that celebrates basketball and soccer and doesn't really think about other sports so much, maybe judo, but not really. They were treated nicely and, you know, Israelis are hospitable and it's a great tourism country uh, for visitors, but they weren't welcomed as sort of champions of the country. Right. But some of the players seem to have a kind of transcendent experience, or at least that's, that's what came across to me when I watched the film. I agree. Yes, they did. Uh, I think, you know, personally, I think there was at least three of the players who were descendants of Holocaust survivors. So obviously, when we go to Yad Vashem, that's a very meaningful experience. And also, uh, I think a visit to the Kotel, the Wailing Wall, you know, you know that you're amongst this spot that is, you know, held with the highest spiritual esteem. And I think that some of the guys you know, these are not religious guys. Uh, n- none of them, you know, are uh, the Like I said, they didn't grow up with uh, the Jewish background. But you could tell that there was some special quality or experience they were having, uh, you know, touching the wall, going to Yad Vashem, hearing, you know, go visiting an Israeli Air Force base uh, and hearing about this this country that they're connected to in ways they'd never really thought about. It seemed that there were some real characters on that team. And, uh, Three or four of them really stood out. Calling them characters is like an understatement. Most of these guys went to really good colleges. So we're not dealing with dumb jocks. We're dealing with smart jocks. Uh, And, you know, Stanford and Yale, I mean, really good schools. But some of these guys, let's just say Cody Decker's name out loud together because that guy is really funny. And he's always on. He's one of those guys that's always on. So for a filmmaker, that's like uh, gold. You know, you discover I, I became friendly with these guys on the trip to Israel because there wasn't so many of us. It wasn't the full team. It was about 10 of the team. Uh, me and my partner, Seth Kramer, were on the trip filming and producing and directing. And we became friendly with them. They're very down to earth, likable guys, very funny. And it's almost a joke telling contest between some of them. I mean, Josh Zide, who's the pitcher, very funny. I mean, Jews are funny. What can I tell you? These guys, they, they put on a, a baseball show on the field, and for the film, they put on a, you know, a comedy special. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the series itself. Uh, why don't we walk people through it a little bit? Because I think it's fair to say that there was no expectation that they would go quite as far as they did. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, even I had no expectation. Uh, I bought a one-way ticket to Korea, and that was because I wasn't quite sure they were going to win any games. So I needed to have an open-ended ticket to know that I could just return. So we got to Korea, you know, they had some practice rounds. These guys knew that they were good baseball players. I knew they were fun and likable guys that we had seen in, you know, traveling around Israel. And that first game they played was against home country Korea. And I have to say, 
Asia's got some very good baseball players and great baseball teams. Uh, it's it, sure. I think it's fair to say that places like Korea and Japan like baseball as much as, if not more than, America at this point. And they have, you know, their own minor league systems, and they have v- players that are finding their ways on uh, major league baseball teams now. So when they had to play Korea, that was not supposed to be a walk in the park. Korea had the the crowd, they had the home field advantage, and, you know, the Israel team was looked at quite negatively by many as sort of a, a JV America team. And they did very well in Korea. And, and And after, you know, each team they would beat or play against, they would advance to another country where, yeah, the you look at the names on some of the players that are on that team, uh, it goes to that heritage rule I mentioned to you before. So a team like the Netherlands wouldn't sound like, oh, the Netherlands, they have a baseball team. But when you factor in all of the Dutch islands, you get some really talented players, shortstops from the Red Sox and the Yankees and, you know, big deal players. So they had their they had a match against the Netherlands that was really tough. That's a good team. But they went from country to country defying expectations and were able to go on to the next round of baseball which was played in Japan. Well, it's almost like the biggest shocker was beating Korea in the first place because they were the home team and there was obviously a wide expectation as you just laid out that they were going to plow through into the next few rounds of the tournament and it just and Israel took them. They did. It was a fantastic upset, and it was a terrific game to be at, and it was exciting. It was noisy. Uh, you know, the players mentioned uh, in the film how noisy uh, the fans are. I mean, not in like sort of a disrespectful way, but they're cheering and singing for each player. There's like a different song for every player on the Korean team, uh, and it, it is nuts. I mean, it's like it reminds me of the Vuvuzela year of the World Cup you know, where it's just so noisy, you can barely hear yourself. And when they beat Korea, the the press went crazy because it was uh, not expected by many. But the, the only people not surprised were Team Israel, who had full confidence. These are guys that have been bouncing around the minor league system, some in double A, some in triple A, some of them made it up to the bigs. I mean, Ike Davis, I think was, he, he was one of the bigger names on the team who had had a, you know, great couple years with the Mets and they knew they could play baseball and they had confidence. And I'll tell you this, uh, Cody Decker said this to me, you know, on one of our many screenings of the film, he said, we were the only team that had cried on each other's shoulders at a Holocaust museum. Uh, and and he, that's why I think we played so well together. Uh, we had experienced something so unique that the other teams we were playing had not. Well, it is amazing how the players coalesced and they were really driven. And I wonder if they had a, I don't want to say a chip on their shoulder, but they felt it was really important to show that they could be taken seriously and that they could do this. You know, when some of these guys were playing uh, in this tournament as a chance to be noticed and, and seen, nobody's playing baseball when the tournament goes on. It's, you know, it's before the regular season. Uh, and a lot of the trainers and coaches and scouts are watching the World Baseball Classic. And this is a chance for guys that aren't on, you know, the big te- big league teams to sort of pop and, and make a name for themselves. So I think, you know, they were taking it very seriously. And uh, that's some of the reason they were playing so well was they, they wanted to, you know, utilize this tournament to make a name for themselves. Well, it's a great story and it's told so well in the in the film. And 
I'm wondering, uh, do you stay in touch with the players? You know, I, I do stay in touch with the players be, because the film has done so well with its festival run and its theater run. We have been sort of a traveling roadshow where we come to a synagogue or a Jewish sleepaway camp or a film festival, and we bring a player or two, whoever is like nearby and available. So I've been able to stay in touch with the players just based on this run with the film. But another reason that I'm still in touch with them, or many of them, I should say, is about 12 or 13 of the guys from the World Baseball Classic team made it onto Israel's Olympic team. Israel was qualified for the Olympics that were supposed to be played in 2020 due to coronavirus. There's a year delay. Hopefully it's only a year. And a bunch of the guys that I've stayed in touch with uh, were going on trips to Israel. Uh, In order to play in the Olympics, you have to be a citizen. So they made Aliyah. They became citizens. And we filmed that. So 13 of the guys, along with about another 13 guys that weren't on Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic, made Aliyah and became citizens of Israel. And Israel only has one gold medal in the history of Israel. And the reason I know this is the guy that won the gold medal was trying to sell the medal because he went broke. It was on the cover of Haaretz newspaper. So the Olympics is not, you know, it, it is something Israel watches, but they usually make it for windsurfing or judo and not for baseball. So this is going to be a great film. I mean, we shot a bunch of footage for it, uh, we're working with the team. That's why I'm still in touch with the players. And you know what? If the Olympics are back on in 2021, I hope to to bring you a sequel to Heading Home. Heading Home 2. It's a bunch of great, funny guys. It's a fascinating journey they're taking. And I think we can build on the last film. And, and another story is definitely developing. Well, that was my next question. There's a sequel in, in the works. And, it's in, and I think you've described it, right? Yeah. So the sequel would be about the Olympic team that's been put together and their journey to win gold. Uh, Team Israel Takes Tokyo is the working title. That's fantastic, but I guess it's at least a couple years off. Yeah, well, we will, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. So after this plague, (laughs) the plagues are done, then we'll get back to work. What did you learn from this experience, and how has it affected you as a filmmaker and as a person? So this was my seventh film, but my first Jewish film. And... The film took place at a time when, uh, you know, I have two kids. Uh, they were at bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah age. And my father got very sick and he his health started to, to decline and he passed away. And I think, you know, as I was in my mid-40s, I was in that point of life where uh, Judaism went from being the cultural practice to being a little bit more meaningful in sort of, uh, clocking the timeline of my life and what each chapter of it means and my relationship with my children and my father. So being able to go around the country and bring a positive film about Israel and Judaism, really apolitical, just a feel-good movie about connecting to your religion, your faith, and to a country that you know many only know from the Torah and the Bible, I think it was really good therapy for me and it helped me really appreciate my my faith. It was such a fun movie, and it's funny that just going around showing it to people and seeing them laugh and connect, I think that that's really the, the reason why I do these films, is to see an audience react. And, and I think heading home, the tale of Team Israel, always gets a great reaction. 
So as a filmmaker, you can't ask for anything better. I mean, that's even why we're making a sequel, because it was so much fun. And, and that's what I think the film is. It's emotional, it's funny as all hell, and it, it's fun. So if I could make a film like that every couple of years, then you know my career is doing well. Well, if I could make a film like that every couple of years, I'd be really happy too. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, but but you're lucky that you know what to do and you know how to do it. And as I said, uh, you and your partners just did a tremendous job of telling an absolutely compelling story. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I want to thank you for joining me for this time and having this conversation. It's uh, it's uplifting and I can't wait to share it with my multitudes of listeners. Uh, well, thanks <laughs> for having me and stay tuned for Team Israel Takes Tokyo. Uh, if you liked Heading Home, you're going to love the sequel. <laughs> and tell the, the guys of the Brotherhood that I appreciate them uh, flagging you with this film. So thank you. Absolutely. And thank you very much. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.